0: John 10, 1-9 Jesus said, I tell you the truth the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. And he will come in and go out and find pasture. Lord, we want to listen to you this morning. We, we call ourselves and we are proud to be your sheep. And we pray that you will speak to us and teach us how to listen more carefully and be able to follow you along the paths that you have for us to walk in, that we might live in that place of pasture, of feeding, of wholeness, and of safety as we abide in you. So we ask your Holy Spirit to breathe into this word, your life, that will sustain us. To the glory of Jesus we pray. Amen. One of the themes we are focusing on and tends to be a little edgy for us is this theme, of, uh, this theme of listening to God, of prophetic uh, words, and speaking, hearing God speak. And most of us have got all kinds of war stories of people who claim to hear God speak and mutter all kinds of strange words that probably are the furthest thing from God that we could imagine. And then the other side of it is, how come you hear God speaking for me all the time, but you can't hear Him telling you to smarten up? You know, So there's a whole radius there of, of really good stuff and then really poor stuff. And like everything else, you don't want to throw out the good stuff just because of the bad. So we're thinking this morning about how to listen to the voice of Jesus and why should we listen and why, why does he speak anyway? I guess the easiest way to start is to say, well, if God isn't speaking, uh, then I guess we're left with, uh, this is what I think which probably is where we most of us live. Most of what Jesus did and spoke and taught met with surprise, met with unbelief, met with you can't be serious. I'm not sure 2,000 years ago people were that different from us and I'm not sure that we would give much different a response today are you? So probably the one thing I know in a conversation with Jesus is I'm going to be saying you can't be serious and I just wonder when we last said that because I think we've got into a culture where God wouldn't expect that He wouldn't demand that He wouldn't lead there. That's uncomfortable. We need a paradigm shift and that's what we're talking about with the kingdom of God. When the kingdom of God is present, his values, his ways, his thoughts are different from the prison camp in which we live and which we have succumbed to and which we are imprisoned by. It's got nothing to do with Sitting in guilt, it's got to do with recognizing. Uh, If you sit down for a long time and you get up, you're stiff. Well, if you don't hear God for a long time, it's not natural to move with him, right? That's what we're learning. And that's what Paul speaks about in Corinthians, in the passage that was read for us out of 1 Corinthians. It's not a wisdom of this age that God is about to kind of keep us walking in. It's, It's his wisdom. We speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God has revealed. Now, that's not a Gnostic wisdom, which is the, uh, arose in the New Testament times and in the first few centuries, where people said, "I've got secrets." And some of you have probably read and seen the, you know, the secret, which is just a lot of nonsense. You unravel the secret, and there's nothing there. The power of positive thinking, dressed up. And Jesus came to reveal the secret wisdom of God, which really was meant to be revealed all the time, but we lost touch with that. And so Paul is saying the Spirit is what speaks the truth into the life. The Spirit is the voice of God speaking into the prison camp, as it were. The Spirit is the same yesterday, today and forever. So it speaks the words of God into the present. It interprets. And Paul says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And we spend all our time working out what God has prepared and deciding what it is. I mean, we love singing songs, his thoughts are not our thoughts, but I'm telling you what he's thinking right now, and it's nothing that's going to challenge me. Thank you.
1: (laughs) We've
0: got to laugh at ourselves because we are entrenched in our stubborn self-centeredness, aren't we? Well, I am. I'm very happy for the rest of you. I had a picture as I was preparing this about, you know, talking about listening to Jesus and why we should listen to Jesus. And I get pictures actually driving over here half the time. Um, And it was like the Lord saying, you know, a lot of the people and a lot of the church are like, they, they hold their Bibles and they read their Bibles and they walk backwards into the future. Because they study what I've done. And if you actually look into the scriptures and you look into every account of God meeting people in the scriptures, what do you have? You have God facing people forward and leading them forward. So what the scriptures are, are an account of how God works with people and he always leads them forward. And if you hold up the scriptures in the wrong way, as the wrong authority... You walk into into the future backward. Because you have a wonderful understanding of what used to be. What might have been, what was and what should be, but you actually never go forward. Because God leads you as the shepherd. And the the shepherds in the Middle East go in front of their sheep. They don't drive them. Like western pastors. (laughs) You don't drive sheep, you lead them. And so we need to hear God's voice because hearing God's voice helps us to walk into the future he has for us as individuals and as a church. So that's what we're talking about. Remember the guy who was blind and he was healed by Jesus? And the authorities, all the spiritual people said, "What, what, what's going on here? I mean, they weren't thrilled that the guy was healed from blindness. They were just quite insecure about the fact something had happened outside of their control. And what does he say? The simple blind man goes, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now I see and this guy Jesus did it. That's what Jesus, I think, likes to do. He likes to surprise us. He likes to bless. And he likes to do what we can't do. But God is incredibly relational. And you can't lead... Well, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. You know this phrase. You can lead a Christian to the Spirit, but you can't make it dance, you know. All the miracles. People started off in the natural and it ended up in the supernatural. The blind man cried out, help. The woman touched Jesus' garment. She, she did that. Peter got out of the boat. And our biggest reason why we're not seeing more is we won't make those first steps. Because I want to know, and I don't see why I'm the only one who should have to struggle along without seeing it either. You know, it's it's just a principle. Moses, go. Well, there's a whole sea in front of me. Throw your rod in. I can already see the dust of the enemy. It's not like he's giving you a lot of time. And that seems to be irritatingly God's sense of humor. It's called learning faith. Trust me, you know. So, if we're going to grow and if we're going to hear the voice of God, we're probably going to be on the edge a little bit as well of our own comfort zones. If you don't believe me, read the scriptures. So, that a faith that is merely rational and explainable and believable is probably like a prune. It's kind of shrunken down to religion. It's not life-giving. So we want to press in further to hear God speak. And say, Lord, we want to follow you, the shepherd, but we need to hear your voice. We need to know what your voice sounds like. Because I believe the Lord says to us, use my scriptures, absolutely. Get rooted in the scriptures, but face forward. Learn how I've worked in the past so that you know that I'm trustworthy. Don't start trying to predict how I'm going to work in the future. I'm relational and I'm showing you that I'm trustworthy. Stand on that and then follow me. Because it's cool thing He's doing a new thing. What well, if he's done it, doing a new thing, you're not going to know it's It hasn't been done before, like that, or in this place, or it's new to us. So, this whole relational trust is a serious, serious thing. And if you don't have a sense of humor, it'll kill you. If you take yourself too seriously, you'll kill yourself as well and probably others around you. But if you can handle all of that, it could be fun. Because all you can do is fall down. And all you can do is make a mistake. And as long as you do it in love, it's not the end of the world. Read the scriptures. Every single person that followed Jesus screwed up. That's why I'm so proud of my record.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm right on track for greatness.
1: <laughs> I'm the greatest of
0: sinners. I had that said to me. How dare you come back to Port Who do you think you are? Look at what you've done. And I had to say, well, praise God, Jesus went to the cross for me. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> It is amazing grace. And unless we get hold of it, we can't stand. It's not a theory. It's got to go deep, deep, deep into our spirits. Because when it's deep in our spirits, we've got a lot of grace for other people. There are no high horses in heaven. So, Let's get some... I'll give you an art lesson this morning, a quick art lesson. So, Gene, mm-hmm. what have we got? I'm not sure. Have we got anything? Yeah, we okay, Gene's going to just... Uh... Okay, this is... I went to New Zealand where the Jensens hopefully are still safe or flying back from there. This is a public washroom. Go to the next one, please. By a guy called Fried, Friedrich Hundertwasser. And he's a European architect-artist. And he's an amazing guy. He... He died a couple of years ago, and his one philosophy was: uh, nature has no straight lines, and neither will I design anything with straight lines. And so he did all these very eclectic designs all over the world. He did art and architecture combined, very unconventional. Didn't keep to the rules. He used to say, "Why? Who said you you can't do it?" Wonderful, I like that. Who said? And so he designed. He lived in this place called. Uh, Kawakawa, or whatever it is, in New Zealand. And, it, you know, it was going through economic hardship, and so they had a public washroom in the sort of main street. And he knew that if he designed something for them, it would probably bring tourists, so he did. I think there are a few more slides there. You know, those are bottles in the window and stuff, but it's just really unconventional, no straight lines. This is the men's wa- I don't know what it is. Just go next one, please. That's the men's washroom. Okay, Uh, isn't that wonderful? Now, what's the point of showing you the men's washroom in Kowakawa? Uh, There's a lot to it. Because basically, if that's what an artist can do with a washroom, imagine what God can do with you. That's pretty much it. You see, I'm talking about vision. I'm talking about vision. I'm talking about taking something really ordinary and making it extraordinary. That's really what we're talking about this morning. Which is get over yourself. If you feel like you're a toilet bowl, there's hope for you. You can be flushed for Jesus. This is actually more serious than it sounds. But, you know, there is seriousness to it. We're going to get to the bottom of it. Let's go on. There's a house, right? What's the house? This is a house and there's some plans to it. That's all I'm going to say about that. If you want to build a house, you have plans, you follow the plans, and you get a house. You have a vision of what you want, and you have plans. Next slide, please, madam. Beautiful. This is amazing. This is in Paris. This is Rodin, the sculptor. It's the hand of God. You go there. I went there. Oh, when? Long, long, long time ago. Um, and, and this blew me away, as Fred would say.
1: <laughs> it really did. <laughs> Sorry, Fred. I couldn't resist that. <laughs> but
0: you know, is the, the hand of God... Did you show the other one, please. This is granite. And out of this granite, he does this incredible uh, carving of Adam and Eve being created. And if you look at... You can't see it there, but the back of the hand, you can see the vein down the back of the hand. And just the incredible softness of the granite that's been carved and the ruggedness of the granite that hasn't been touched. And Rodin said this, he said something very similar actually to Michelangelo. He said, I choose a block of marble and I chop off what I don't need. Michelangelo said, I saw the angel, I saw the angel in the marble and carved until I set him free. Next one please. It's a human being. We're talking about blueprints, we're talking about plans, we're talking about visions. We're talking about an artist seeing something and then creating it in the tangible. And you know where I'm going, don't you? Psalm 33. For he spoke, in verse 9, for he spoke... And it came to be, he commanded it and stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Coupled with 1 Corinthians 2, which is what we've read. No eye has seen what God has in store for those. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind is conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Why do we need to hear God? We need to hear God because if I read the Bible, I get what he's done with other people. I get his character. I get that he has a plan. And the cool thing is, he says, because Jesus went to the cross and he rose again and opened heaven's gate. It's not a theory, it's a position. My sheep will hear my voice and they get to be part of entering into the plan I have for them. And if no eye has seen or conceived of what God has, then how on earth am I going to know unless I hear his voice? And the reason why we're spending so much time struggling to convince people that God is real and Jesus is real is because we've shrunk him down to hear our own voice. The voice we hear most of the time is the echo of our own voices in the chasm of our stubbornness or whatever, egos. So listening to Jesus today is about hearing the prophetic. Is inviting him to work and say, Lord, what is your agenda for me? What does Jesus say? What does God say? He says, Really, actually, we are clay vessels. In Genesis, out of dust I created you. Paul says, uh, Your jars of clay. He is the potter. I am the clay. So, how does a potter work? This molding process happens as we listen. That's what we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about. No longer in a washroom in Kowakawa, but where our own lives. Bless you. This going to God is not going to the hairdresser. As I did, you notice. It's not having your head massaged and a nice little shampoo, and then, how would you like it, Mr. Cox? Thank you, just a little trim, thank you. Or as the woman who was sitting next to me, oh my word, well, I thought I'd do this and I thought I did that, and I actually cut this without looking, and oh, you know, half an hour of preening was awful. <laughs> Don't we come to God like that? Lord, I need this, I need this. A little bit off here, a little bit there, a little tummy tuck. That would be group. Thank you. It's not that. It's Lord, here I am. This is my vision for me, Lord. Yeah. How depressing. What happens to clay? Clay gets hard if it's not worked. So it has to be soaked. That's why God gives us his spirit. God's spirit is that which softens us, enabling him to mold us. And so the first thing to do, to listen to God and have him work, is to allow him to position myself where his spirit can soften me to his voice and to his work. And if you've watched a potter at work, you'll know when they finished working, they drape damp cloths over it to keep it moist, so they can work some more later on, to keep it pliable. Remember when Jesus began his ministry, the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And John said, I saw the Spirit descend and remain upon him. The spirit remaining upon someone is what keeps them pliable and open. Another word is to abide in. Romans, uh, John 15:4. Jesus talks about that with the vine, and it also can be used, uh, he says, unless you remain in me and I remain in you, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Or well, you can do a lot, but nothing that counts. So that abiding in Jesus is the same as putting the wet cloths over the clay. And the problem with us is we spend too much time trying to do the shaping. Shaping comes from abiding. Lord, here I am. I welcome your Holy Spirit to work in me and through me and to make me what I am not right now. And I pray that you will seep into me so that you will be able to work as you desire. And if I'm afraid, Lord, I bring you my fear. That's why we need prophetic words. We need words of encouragement. What's the word that's so often spoken is, don't be afraid, fear not. The vast majority of us, if I said, come up right now, we're going to have a prophetic word over you, would be terrified I used to be, as if I go in public, something awful is going to be exposed. Never ever happened, and I've had a lot of awful things to expose. Because God doesn't work like that. He doesn't humiliate us. He loves us. Way beyond what we deserve. And he speaks words of love to draw out life. Not words of condemnation to crush us. He will never speak a condemning word to you prophetically. If you ever hear one, rebuke it in the name of Jesus. It's not of God. There's a lot going on in the spiritual realm amongst Christians that isn't of God. It's projection of need, it's emotionalism, and it's very, very destructive. And doesn't bring life. So what is God the Father doing? He's calling us as a church and as individuals to allow him to mould us and shape us into what he wants us to be. The new creation in Jesus. Now some some people think that uh, Christianity is about being saved. And then you get on this conveyor belt and you trundle off to heaven with saved stamped on you. What on earth is the use of that? You do nothing other than walk around saying, I'm saved. And everybody looks at you and goes, God, if that's saved, I don't want it. And you say, well, I witness. And you go, yeah, you you witness, but you witness to yourself more than to Jesus. And all they knew was they don't want to be that if that's what happens. Right? You know what I'm talking about. We've probably all been guilty of it too. Lighten up. Yeah. Yeah. We are them, they are us. And we trundle off to death and then God will change us in the twinkling of an eye. Then why on earth did he send Jesus? He sent Jesus to die on the cross, to rise again, that the Spirit might be poured out, that those who live on earth would be followers of Jesus and would be reflections of the life and purpose of God on earth as in heaven before death. In part at least. So that Jesus says, I want those who follow me to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God. To share the fragrance of the living God. To begin to allow me to transform them so people can can go, how did you get there? What happened? So we are transformed in order to bear witness to the love and the joy and the peace and the life of Jesus. To reflect his character. Now I've got a real special treat. Look at that. Isn't that cool? It's from Brock. He made it. It's a block of wood. People are very polite. They don't know whether I'm serious or not Brock. So they think, you know, maybe he did. And this is some abstract thing and... uh, Man, it's beautiful. Well, they put this in the Tate Gallery and they call it block of wood and people go, whoa!
1: I've got to have that in my
0: house. It's all relative, isn't it? But it is actually a block of wood. And it is Brock's. Now, we laugh at it, but you know, this is our life. And this is our life and we say now we're saved. So, we're a block of wood that's saved. Some of us paint it. Some of us store it and talk about when I got this block of wood and, you know, when I found where it came from and where it's going to. And I'm so thrilled that one day this block of wood will be changed in all glory. Some of us take it on trips. And we show it to others and say, look what God did for me. And other people see the block of wood. Like the emperor with no clothes. Some of us dress it up. Some of us try and do a little carving ourselves. Some of us feel better than others about what it's like to be a block of wood. The mandate we learn is, well, do with this whatever you want. And so we do whatever we want until Jesus comes along and says, did you know that you were created for a purpose? Did you know that you were given this life by God for a reason? And one day you're going to stand before God and He's going to look at what He gave and wonder what happened to it. He's going to say, What have you done with what I gave you? And if we hold the block of wood and say, Well, I held on to my salvation, He's going to say, Oh, you poor servant, you missed it completely. You see, this is what Brock carved out of a block of wood like that. I couldn't do that. Couldn't come close. You only have one life, you only have one chance. Only one carving. So there are two options. You pick up a chisel and you hack away yourself. You protect the block of wood. Or you get a master craftsman to help you. And Jesus came into the world to say, My dear children, with that life came a master craftsman. You were never intended to hack away on your own. If you let me get my hands on you, that's the vision I have for you. It'll be different for everyone. Who are you in the eyes of the Lord? That's why you need prophetic words. Because most of us haven't got this, even in our sights. We're whining about this block of word, we're whining about all the other stuff, And he's saying, I need to speak into your spirit what I see. And that will come to be as I speak it. But you won't get there naturally. You won't dream it up from yourself, because you can't. Another architect, a guy called Frank Wright, said uh, something like, you can't create, a river can't flow beyond its source, above its source. A human being cannot perceive the things of God. You can only perceive how high the human being can go. So God, I come to God and he looks at this and he says, oh God, and Jesus of the Spirit says, talking to me? Who, who, Who are you talking to? There's barnacles here and oh my word. But I'm so glad he's come. I'm so glad he's in my hands at last. So there's no condemnation. It's just Jesus. You and I call the Holy Spirit Bob, um, and we let, let's do something because this is what this is what we have in mind for him. So God adjusts his spectacles, and he he gets out because it's really clay that he's working with. And he says, "Look, uh, Holy Spirit, I'm going to drape you over him for a couple of days, or maybe a month or two, and then we'll get to work." I hope he stays there because the only problem with this is that God is highly relational which is a real pain because it means I have some responsibility and my responsibility is stay on the wheel because what happens with blocks of wood or pot let's pretend this is clay but a block of wood you know just keep the analogy going there Jesus please work with my life but I don't want to lose anything Oh, I want to become like this, with all of this. Oh. So you're going to be a square, oblong duck. It's all going to be in the imagination. Because I can't touch anything. I can't shape anything. It's all going to be spiritual. I don't think that works, because Jesus didn't go to the cross in an abstract form. And so God is calling us to trust Him as He seeks to mold us and to make us into what He sees and what He desires. Which is much, much nicer than anything we've ever imagined. Look through the Bible and you have His kind of gallery this is what I've done before this is what I did to David this is what I did to Moses this is what I did to Gideon this is what I did to fill in thousands of people I do good work takes a long time sometimes sometimes it hurts but the end result is beauty and what's God focusing on as he speaks to us He's not spoke, focusing on whether I get a new Subaru. See, his craftsmanship is character. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. When you look at a Rodin, you see the marble and the granite. When you look at God's handiwork, it's what comes from the inside that makes the difference. How does he produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self control? He looks for where there isn't love and he starts pressing in on that. He looks where there's no self control and he starts drawing awareness to that. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Sometimes we think, oh, we're going to do it all now, we make all these resolutions. It's absolutely absurd. We need to abide in Jesus, hang around with Jesus, allow Him to put the cloth the moisture of the Holy Spirit on us, which just says, Jesus, here I am, I worship you, I thank you that you're a master craftsman. I mean, look, if I was this block of wood and I had Fred come up to carve this thing and the master craftsman, if Fred was doing it, I'd go, hey, it's going to hurt even more. Yeah. If it's the master craftsman, it's going to hurt, but I go, at least I can expect there's going to be something at the end. Right? right. Thank you. So, worship is about... Encouraging myself to entrust myself to the master craftsman. Our biggest battle is we want to keep everything. Oh Lord, I love this. I love this little thing here. And I love this part. And he goes, Well, if you have this, you won't have that. It's called dying to self, it's part of the molding process. So, how do we know where God's working? Ask him. Bless him for his love for you. Bless him for where you are right now. And you ask him. Because where the Holy Spirit is wanting to work, he'll he'll start saturating you. You'll know. I know exactly where he's working with me. I wish he weren't, but it's trust and faith. And guess what? Half my life is a blind walk right now. I could give you a long list of stuff, and you probably can too, but the only thing I know is there's no walk towards this without cost, without sacrifice, without struggle, without enormous joy, but also without inconvenience. It just doesn't happen. And the reason why half our churches are empty and half of our lives are so despairing is because we want want this without sacrificing any of this. And if you listen to your own voice, you'll end up with a painted version of this. Because you'll never press in when it gets tough. And we miss out. That's what he wants to do for the church, that's what he wants to do for our individual lives. And once you've started along this road, and once you've felt the touch of the master craftsman, you can endure. Because he'll show you hey, I've just done a feather. And you'll see the feather. And you go, that is cool. Do another one. It's a love relationship. It's not brutalizing the wood. It's a love relationship. Setting free that which is inside that I've created for you. didn't realize it was so late. I've got a squash game. (laughs) But I hope, I hope and pray that we will be encouraged to hear the voice of the Lord. He wants to speak to us in the present so that we can become what we are not, based on the scriptures. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. We need his word so that we test the voice against his word. But guess what too? Sheep don't just learn the voice on their own. A little lamb is born, follows its mother who follows the shepherd. And the little lamb learns how to follow the shepherd. Nice to see you Gary, welcome to the... Um, And we need one another to help us follow. We need one another to help us uh, follow the shepherd. And that's why I'm so adamant or so... Well, that's too strong a word. That's the old John. I'm so uh, wanting to encourage us <laughs> to, be, to be part of house groups, to be places where the potter can work. And as we break bread together, I pray that we'll say, Lord, wh- what are you saying to me? Where are you leading me? Where are you shaping me? Don't focus on the pain of getting rid of the excess wood. Focus on what has been created and released once that excess is gone. And trust Jesus that what He's doing is more beautiful than you or I have ever seen. And it'll always be around the gifts of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self control, all that stuff. That's what God's artwork looks like. And if you can't really work out where you think God wants to work in your life, ask a friend. Or a spouse. And I'm sure he'll speak through them for you. But it's something that's never going to end. So it's a journey into increased beauty. Satan's voice draws attention to everything you're losing. And the sacrifices that you're making. Jesus' voice says... But this is the pearl without price. Why would you hold on to that when you can have this? And that is the work of the Spirit. And the work of the prophetic word is encouraging words for each of us to keep going when we get a little disenchanted. I'm sorry I've got going too far. Anyway, Father, we thank you. We bless you. We praise you. For your patience, for your love, for your incredible artistic ability with our lives. That you can take any life and redeem it and renew it and reshape it into something quite exquisite. <coughs> we ask you to forgive us where we've been afraid of you. Where we resisted you, where we keep trying to take the tools from your hand and control the process we pray for patience sometimes you just need us to soak sometimes you need us to heal sometimes you need to do the surgery we just pray for patience and expectation and we pray in our groups Lord that we would encourage one another and that we would point out in each other's lives where We can see the work of the artist. We can see the hand of God working. We can bless what he's doing. Because sometimes we can't see it in ourselves. We pray for this church that, Lord, you will lead us and you will guide us and you will lead us into a future we don't know of. But we trust the one who led Moses and the Israelites out of Egypt. We trust the one who led his disciples across the hills of Galilee, through the cross and around the world. We hear your voice, Lord, saying to us, be not afraid. Be not afraid. As you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will I If you ask for bread, why would I give you a stone? So Holy Spirit, we we pray that you this morning will continue to lead us as individuals into a place where we can allow you to take off that which is not pleasing or helpful, that which blocks the view to the creation you have in mind. And we pray that you will release amongst this body uh, words of prophetic encouragement over each life here that would, en- would encourage and would inspire and would motivate to continue with the journey that you have uh, led us all on with Jesus as our shepherd. Lord, will you just minister to us as we break bread together And we bless you and we praise you for your grace. And we look forward to all that is yet to come. In Jesus' name, Amen. So as we come before the Lord and break bread
1: together...